So welcome to the Everything New York Giants podcast. I'm your host, Adriana, also known as New York Giants Fangirl. And today I have with me Sam, and we are going to talk about all things Giants. So the team announced earlier today that they signed that center from Pittsburgh. So I know there's been a lot of concern from fans, myself included, that we don't have a center on the roster. So are you excited about that? Do you, what are your thoughts? So... I, I like it because I feel like the whole thing with, as we all know, that the main concern was with inner O-line uh, mm-hmm. heading into this offseason. And especially, you know, uh, at first, you know, the thoughts of we weren't sure if Feliciano was going to stay or not. Obviously, he ended up leaving. And it just came to a point where, okay, so we, especially those first two weeks of free agency, we didn't get any centers or any guards and it's like okay so instead of just looking at wide receiver or cornerback at pick number 25 it came to a point where okay we might start looking at a center uh to to make that pick so and then i think um and you know a lot of concern with that with fans with a lot of fans is that um center is is not center is not a day one type of position to pick at um yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of people were still like wide receiving cornerback were still like their main options uh they're still like and you know we always see like some of the mock drafts they still had center so it wasn't like it was completely like everybody was just wide receiver cornerback but vast majority and not only that but is like okay if we're picking a, a rookie center is like you know we don't have a like a true veteran to like at least hold down the guard until he's ready to mm-hmm. hold on to that position take up on that position so i feel like you know having a solid veteran center taking him now was a good idea and i still think that obviously i still think that shane could probably even pick a center in the draft i feel like yeah. but at least for now i feel like it's a good a good idea to like shore up the center spot until like the rookie is ready and uh, is ready to, I guess, take the reins in that role. That's what I think too. I think it's, it's going to be interesting. My also concern, and I think whatever they pick at 25 is going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously they're going to draft a center at some point, whether it's round one, two, three, four, Um, but I have a little bit of a concern with starting a rookie center right off the bat. So I feel good that we at least have a veteran in there. I'm sure they're going to sign a couple other veterans. I feel like throughout camp, there's going to be a lot of guys in and out who are getting cut from other teams and that kind of thing. And we'll at least have some sort of veteran presence right there because I don't, I don't know. It's so hard. Like, you know, we saw with Neil and Thomas that they struggled a little bit and they also dealt with injury. Mm -hmm. So, but then you also see guys like Aiden Hutchinson who right off the bat fit right into the NFL, had no issues and same with Micah Parsons. And I know those are different positions and stuff like that, but I think there's always a little bit of a learning curve with rookies and when we've has, had such an issue with a line, thinking about a rookie center starting <laughs> makes me a little nervous. Yeah, like, and if, I don't know what it is with the Giants. Like, 
it's like we never know how our rookies are going to be like the day nope. our rookies could be like straight up like we're fearing that they're going to be bust <laughs> or they're on the verge of like okay this is like the most talented like player we're picking like of our generation like yeah we're good like it's never in between so it always causes us fans to be like okay like how do we even know how this player is going to be like coming day the week one so it's like so i feel like that's what like a lot of the concern has been is like and especially especially like you just said with the o-line it's like you know think about all the picks that uh we've had uh prior to prior i say prior to andrew thomas like the likes of Flowers and Hernandez, it's like we always think like, okay, we're finally picking up some some good uh, O line. Like we're dropping some O line players, but they end up not even panning out how we want it to be. So yeah. it's always, I I really don't know why O line has been. <laughs> it's like our Achilles heel, like especially yeah. when it comes to selecting players in that uh, in those positions. It's like O line is just. Something about O line with this team, like over the past decade, I'd say, it's just been, it's been like, it's just it's been a like a conflict, and it's just a he- like a headache on uh, Giants fans uh, all over. So it's like every time we pick a, every time we're in contention for selecting an O line player, it always gets to the point where it's just like. Is like becomes all of this become very divisive. Like, are we sure we want to pick this player or not? It's like we we don't really know right. where we want to lean on that. And it's it it's frustrating too because I watch other teams. Like you watch mm-hmm. the Eagles, and then you see you know even the Lions had a pretty good line. And I'm watching all these other teams. Like, why does it seem like every other team can get the O line figured out? It's just us. And maybe the Bengals who seem to have issues year after year. Right. But I have faith they're they're gonna figure it out. It's you know just taking a little bit longer. But I also think part of it was, you know, we didn't the I think we had some talent scouting issues, and I think that was part of the problem. And I feel really good that Shane and Dable and Brandon Brown, that they know what they're doing and they they have done a much better job of bringing in talent. The the thing that they have to fix is the injuries, right. which I don't know what they can do about that. But if they can if if they can do something to limit the injuries, then I think we're gonna I have faith that the talent is not gonna be the problem. <laughs> right. Like I feel like I feel like that's one thing. Um one thing with the main difference between Shane and Gelman, even though there's been plenty of differences between the two already in just one year of Shane, but I feel like Shane is like, you know, we're not sure of the full answer to our own line, but at least he's, he is making some smart decisions early instead of like late, like closer to like towards the end of the preseason when he's just scrambling to find like, some remaining O-line scraps just to fit in. And it's like, okay, here we go. Because that's exactly what Gettleman did in 2021, I believe. I don't yeah, even think just he just overpaid no- Nate Solder. I was like, oh, this guy's <laughs> going to fix all of our problems. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he ended up – oh, my – like he ended up giving Nate Solder one of the worst contracts in NFL history. I, I, I honestly fully believe that. One of the worst contracts ever. And, and not only – and that's another thing with Gettleman, too. Gettleman always gave – like he always thought his one solution to like a certain position group, which is let's just give this exorbitant contract to one player and then boom, I helped it. Like 
you need to like spread it around instead of just giving one person a huge contract and like you're not even making the whole situation any better so right. <laughs> so i feel like you know i feel like shane like him like i guess like spreading the wealth through like certain like parts of the line and then and then like i, I also have full faith that he's gonna uh, get some more picks, like more O line to shore up mm-hmm. the O line in the draft. So I feel like he's doing a good job here, and um, mainly in um, which is a huge difference than what Gettleman did. Definitely, I agree. I I was arguing with someone at some point during the season because they tried to tell me that Dave Gettleman was a better GM than Joe Shane, and I was like, aside from the fact that you're comparing four years to one not even comparable. And in the one year, Joe Shane has already done so much for this team than what Dave Gettleman ever did. But it's the same thing with the wide receivers, right? Like he signed this Kenny Galladay to this huge contract and then he drafts Kadarius Tony and is like, that's it. Problem solved. <laughs> and the thing is like, playmakers. Yeah. And, and, and it's like with Gettleman, it's like he, like, like you said, like first he just gives the huge albatross of a contract to get Kenny Galladay. And then he picks Kadarius Tony, which I like a project gadget receiver that we had no, really had no full scouting report on it. Like it wasn't even our main intent on selecting. It's like Gettleman, he always, you know, selected, like gave the large contract that ended up being like completely a hinge on the team for like the remaining, uh, like set next set of years. And then he selects a player that, wouldn't even know if he's going to truly fit just because like, okay, we need to bulk up our receiving core. doesn't mean like, we're just going to pick a gadget receiver that we don't really know of. And then on top of right. that, like <laughs> he ended up being injury prone, like obviously he works up with the Chiefs, but at least for us, like he didn't even play that much. But it was like, again, like you're like going up, going back to what we were saying earlier is like the scouting department. I don't know what they were doing <laughs> when selecting these players or looking yeah. at these players. Because and I feel like the whole thing was just outdated because it wasn't even I, I don't think anybody was really like on the same on the same page a lot of times. And I feel like it just created this whole confusion where it just immediately just set the team back for uh, for some few years. And it's so funny because Shane, like his like his first year, it was not only just like building the team in his first year, but also like cleaning up Gettleman's mess, <laughs> like yep. Gettleman's mess for all of those four years. And it's so funny because I still very, like, like vividly remember there's, there ended up being like this growing contingency of Giants fans, like as the season went on, you know, where like, I think we're like what seven and two, I believe it was. Oh and, like, yeah. Before we had that little downslide. Right. And then everyone was saying like, Oh, right. Oh, Gettleman, like, see Gettleman, like, look, look, uh, DJ is looking good. Saquon's looking good. Uh, uh, Andrew Thomas, Dex, is like McKinney's. Like, hey, them and actually did a good. I'm like, guys, <laughs> you, you you're literally using this first year of our new project to to, to say that Gettleman is actually did a good job. Like, 
like the revisionist history is like mind boggling. <laughs> it's unbelievable. That's probably ex the exact time that I was arguing with people because I was like the only, the, all of those players have been on the team for three or four years at this point. The only reason they're all having the year that they're having is because of the coaching staff, because what did they do for the last three years? Saquon's the only one who had a good year outside <laughs> from the time that he was hurt. I'm like, what are you talking about? It doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> It's like I don't understand because, like, literally, like, like DJ, you know, we hit like with 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 dimes, you know, he was. We always saw like his good moments in certain spurs, but like at times we didn't see the best of him. And we all knew like a lot of that. We knew that he had the capability to like turn to like a promising quarterback, but you know, that you know we knew that the coaching and everything was holding him back. Mm -hmm. And it's like no surprise now that he has good coaching. Now he looks good, but right. And, and the thing is, like, and, and the, you know, and a, a lot of times the people are saying, like, oh, okay, well, he was always good. He just needed the coaching. Like, okay, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, it was Gettleman's fault that he picked the wrong coaches anyway. Right, right. Gettleman was in charge of hiring the coaches. And and what did he do? A terrible job at it. It's like, it's, it's absolutely, I don't, like, oh, my God. Like, literally, and, and not only that, but... It's and it's like um and I remember we like because I think I actually posted um uh, when I asked you one of your FAQ um and I think you had on your story IG IG story highlights um about, about why the, Shane is a better GM yeah, than him. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna keep like, that up forever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like and I'm like and you're going through like the long list of like draft picks. And it's just mind-boggling. Like some of those, like Corey Ballantyne. I, I literally forgot that Corey Ballantyne was even a New York Giant. I don't know. You're gonna get Sam Beal, DeAndre <laughs> Baker. I was going through that list too, and there were some guys that I was like, I don't even remember them being drafted. I've never seen them since. I don't even think they're still in the NFL. Like I've never. They just like disappeared <laughs> off the face of the earth. I'm like what? Oh, Alex Kyle Walletta too. Another guy. I'm. I that was yeah that was I was like I can't with you people like you're just at this point you're just making stuff up because yeah and it's like and the fact that the fact that we even had to compare Gettleman's four years to one year Shane already completely shows right. how vastly different the regimes are the fact that we need to make an argument between Joe Shane and Dave Gettleman after just one year of Shane and all that but one year of Joe Shane is better than all four of Dave Gettleman put together so I'm like, right. what are you arguing about <laughs> it's so dumb <laughs> <laughs> it's just mind-boggling yeah. people are insane yeah that's why I'm always like, I have been avoiding Twitter for the most part. I only go on if I get like updates and stuff. So I basically have notifications set up for like Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, Giant Insider, the Giants, like a couple other reporter type people. Cause I'm like, I, every time I scroll on Twitter, I just get pissed off. Cause right. I fail with these idiots. <laughs> But I have um, a few other people here who look like they want to join. So is there anything else you want to touch on before I let you go? Um, I feel like um, I feel like I, one, uh, one position we can talk about is linebacks. But I feel like we can talk about when yeah. people can join. I feel like that's an interesting position to talk about as well. Yeah. All right. Let's bring Alex in here. Hello, Alex. How are you? Good. Good. 
You want to talk about linebackers? There's been, I know some people asked me if there was any update about Deion Jones, and I haven't heard anything more about that. So our linebackers as of right now are Bobby O'Kurake, Darian Beavers, and um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Gerard Davis. I think that's it. So yeah, I, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau kind of is a linebacker. He's more on an edge player, but he can be a linebacker too. I wonder the if they would ever think about using him in that way with Jihad back. Maybe a that's a good point. Like, isn't because the way that um the way that the Cowboys use Micah Parsons isn't he almost that type of like they try mm. to position him as an edge a lot of times, but at the same time they can position him as like a traditional middle linebacker at times. I feel like they kind of like if I if I like I don't obviously I don't watch too many Cowboys games, but I feel like they try to like at times they can kind of use him in that hybrid role of like edge to like middle linebacker. He does seem like he's all over the field, especially mm -hmm. when we play him. But I like swear he comes out of nowhere. And I feel like that's what Tibbs was like in that uh I think it was a week fifteen against Washington. I yes. feel like that one game when he went off on Sunday night, I feel like he was like he was all over the place in that he one game. He had twelve tackles. He led yeah. the team. I was like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> So I'm cur curious, um, I wonder if they would ever go linebacker at 25 because I know that that's still, still a position that needs to be upgraded. What I love Nolan Smith, so if he's there at 25, I'm definitely picking him. But I all the mocks I see, got like the guy, of course, the guys that I love him, Quan Johnston, I'm like, they're going to be nowhere near yeah. 25. Yeah, it's like, and I feel like, and the reason why about linebacker is linebacker has also been like a position that's for this team has been a huge like question mark for many years. Like, mm -hmm. um, as obviously as we know that uh, going back to the Reese regime, like Reese, it came to a point where Reese just never even picked linebackers, and it's like, why aren't you picking linebackers? So like. Like he wouldn't pick them, and Gelman, like Gelman rarely ever picked any common linebackers. Like I think when we signed Blake, when we signed Blake Martinez, he was like the first like true competent linebacker. Like especially that 2020 season, he was like mm -hmm. the first true competent linebacker they had since like what Antonio Pierce or something. It's like it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I remember Alec Ogletree. Uh, oh. Yeah, I remember. He was, he was one of the one of the worst cover linebackers I've ever seen. Like. <laughs> I remember in 2018, he had like two pick sixes, and a lot of Giants fans were saying he was a good linebacker. That's BS. He yeah. was horrible in coverage. I just remember like under Shermer, although the offense was, was somewhat decent, the defense under Betcher was so terrible. Oh, oh no my God. No one could cover. No, no one could cover. There was no pass rush, nothing. And I still remember week one, 2019 in Dallas, Dak literally never got touched all day. He had all day to throw every single snap, and he had a perfect passer rating. And Cowboys fans were saying, "Oh, he's the MVP," all because um, he didn't face a single, <laughs> he didn't get touched once in the pocket. Because he went against the NFL's worst defense. <laughs> yeah. I remember that game. I remember that game so well because I remember like Saquon. He like the first like the first drive. He like he went off for this huge run. So I was thinking like, okay, like the offense not 
too bad. But then the defense comes like, okay, the defense is still complete garbage. Like never, like it's even worse than I thought. And that yeah. reminds me of, of something really stupid Pat Shermer did in that game. Like in the second half, the Giants were down, I think, 21 to 10, and they were in the red zone. It was third and two, and instead of handing the ball off to Saquon Barkley in a game where he was averaging 10 yards a carry, he handed it to Eli Penny. He got stuffed. And then the next play on fourth and one, he had Eli roll out, and then he got sacked, and it was a turnover on downs instead of just handing the ball to Saquon Barkley. That's why Shermer deserved to be fired. He wouldn't use Barkley the right way. That was so dumb. You know, that yeah. was literally always like the the thing. That was like the one thing that always pissed me off about Pat Shermer. Literally every time we every time we went to like some short yard situation, we literally had Saquon Barkley. Like especially like right. just get 2018, 2019 Saquon Barkley, and of all the people that you use to make a run on a short yard situation, you use Eli like. Eli, like an Eli Manning that was literally on the tail end of his career. It's like, yeah. I love, like, I, we all love Eli. Like, I love Eli to that. But anybody, everybody knows that when you have Saquon Barkley there, use him. Like, like what, what do you do? <laughs> also, we had the world's worst O-line at that time, too. So, I'm like, what are you thinking? Like, I just... Uh, that used to piss me off about Shermer too, is that they would get away from things that were working. Like they would have a great run game in the first half. And then all of a sudden they, the second half, they'd come out throwing the ball and they couldn't string together any momentum. Like, why would you do that? And that reminds me too, the, that same year, week 14, Monday night football in Philadelphia, the game Eli returned. He had a great first half. He was throwing deep passes to Slayton got two passing touchdowns and another field goal because of a deep connection. Then the second half, they were they were three and out machine, no adjustments. Like four of their six drives, they were three and out, and they only had about like 25 to 30 yards of total offense. Oh. And then the Eagles won in overtime because of Zach Ertz. Like it, the offense just didn't do anything in the second half, and the Giants were up 17 to three at halftime, and they oh. lost in, and they lost 23-17 in overtime. Like, yeah, I remember, I remember that one very well too because – I mean, like, especially because, um, because DJ he was injured leading us, so that's what, like, so Eli he he returned, and uh, so everyone was like, okay, this, like, this week and the next week, that would be these would be like Eli's final games as the Giants. So, like, oh man, like, especially like, and so after that first half, like, everybody was probably like, okay, and and don't forget, like, because I was like that 2019 season, so the Eagles they were like, they were on like the last like breath to make to a to clinch the nfc east because they were jockeying back and forth between the cowboys for that mm -hmm. so it was like we're almost like playing a spoiler to them at at the link too and then it's just like it's like the second half was just completely a complete anomaly compared to the first half and i remember the exact same thing happened when we played at the eagles in 2018 like we're, we're doing so well all of a sudden <laughs> uh he just goes away from Saquon's running game. Oh, and yeah. then Don't remind me. Like it was, he only had like two, two carries the entire second half. Like he, like Shermer literally kept him on the bench for no reason at all. He wasn't injured. Like he literally forgot that Barkley existed that second <laughs> half. Like Shermer was so clueless. Like he was a good offensive mind, but he was so yeah. clueless at situational football. That's why. It really sucked that he didn't work out because I thought he could have helped DJ as well, but he was just so inept when it came to game management, clock management, and yeah. of course, Betra was terrible that the Giants had no choice but to fire him. Well, and that's what like the people who are getting upset this past season and complaining about 
the Giants for whatever reason. I'm like, have you seen the embarrassing football that we have had to endure for the last four years? Like, I understand they had that six-game losing streak and, you know, they had issues here and there and the defense needs work and whatever. But I'm like, this is a million times better than what we have been watching for four years. Let's just enjoy it. It's going to get better. Yeah. That's what, and, and to your point, Alex, like, that was like, that was the one thing with Sherman's like, I really feel like if he, if he was just offensive coordinator and not head coach, I feel like that would have been better. I feel like if we was like, if he was like offensive coordinator, we had like a much more competent head coach. I feel like that would have been a much better job. Like, that's what it was like. That's why I was very iffy about him being head coach. Like, like he's a good offensive, like he was a good offensive mind. Like, especially like, as we saw the previous years when he was with the Vikings and all that, but it's like head coaching, like he was a terrible head coach for the Browns. And so like, I'm like, I don't know if I want him, like him running the office. Like, okay. That's okay. But like him making like game management decision, all that, that was like, I was even by then obviously just proved to like him being horrendous at that. And that reminds me uh, another bad game that he managed. It was week 10, 2019 against the Jets. He used all three timeouts in the second half with like four, over four minutes left. And the Giants couldn't stop the clock. They were down by like one score and they had no chance to drive because he burned all three timeouts with uh, over four minutes remaining. I remember him being really bad at clock management and just thinking like, what is he doing? And why is no one telling him not to do that? But this, I, I think this conversation is interesting because I'm sure you guys saw that Kellen Moore, the a Cowboys OC is gone and Mike McCarthy is now going to call plays which I think is going to be good news for us. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be good news for Dallas. So when there was all that talk about maybe Kafka leaving and Dable taking over play calls, I was like, no, no, I'm sure that Dable can handle it, but I don't want him doing it. I just think it's better off. The head coach has enough that they have to focus on. Let the OC do the play calling. And I think it worked out really well for us, but I'm just like, ooh, Dallas. That's, yeah. Like, like to your point, it's like, I feel like because, especially because of the fact that, you know, we all, like, saw how good Dable was, like, uh, in Buffalo with running the offense. So everyone was like, so everyone was kind of like, wait, no, like, he should be running the offense. Not like, especially, like, we didn't really know too much about how Kafka does as a play caller and all that. So, like, it's now that after, now after this first season, I feel like, obviously, as he just said, like, is a relief that okay, Kafka's really good at p- calling plays and Dable does a good job of managing the game. So like it works a lot better than whatever Dallas. I don't even know why Dallas is even having Mike McCarthy running the offense. It's like right? <laughs> it's like I feel like I, the one thing that does make me sad though is that we didn't get one more year of Ezekiel Elliott as a center. That would that's the one thing that makes me <laughs> sad. <laughs> Don't worry, maybe he's going to play center on his new team. Oh, boy. <laughs> I swear, the Cowboys come up with new ways to, to like new ways to laugh at them when they get eliminated in the playoffs. For, like that draw that Dak Prescott ran the previous year. That, that like I, I didn't oh. think I didn't think anything could top that in terms of stupid <laughs> and hilarious. I, I'm glad to say I was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's for me what was so frustrating about us 
playing the Cowboys this year because we had every opportunity to win those games and Cowboys fans are just are so obnoxious and I'm just like we have to sweep them next year we just we have to beat them I feel like we're we're gonna have the opportunity to and we are capable of doing it but I just oh my god I I that was those games were so frustrating that we were winning and we had it in us to do it. We couldn't pull it out. But the Cowboy, that's my favorite thing about the Cowboys, as I always say, as long as Jerry Jones is the owner, that they are never winning a Super Bowl. And they probably won't ever win more than one playoff game. <laughs> Can he year. live to 150, please? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like and please continue. And another I'll, I'll, like I hope he continues being the general manager because he's one of the worst general managers I've ever seen. <laughs> like 100%. he's so bad. He is so bad at constructing a team. Like I hope he continues doing so. Like I, I, I'm, I'm that's actually the one thing I'm happy about is arrogance. He's so arrogant to the point where he doesn't think that he's the problem. So like please continue doing that. <laughs> Yep. Like, like that's the thing about Jerry Jones is that he's good at drafting paper talent. Like that's why the Cowboys are never really terrible. They're always in that eight and eight area. Yeah, they have a lot of talent. Yeah, always. Be- because Jerry Jones is good at drafting paper talent. The problem, of course, is that he doesn't hire a real head coach that actually knows what he's doing because he has to call the shots. Like yeah. I, I think that's what's holding the Cowboys back. Like they they're good at drafting talent. I hate to admit it, but mm-hmm. the, the coaches just don't get the most out of them. But as long as they have bad coaches, I'm not complaining. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and I remember, like, um, like the one, like the one game that really pissed me off against the Cowboys season. It was that Week Three game because I feel like we, mm. like, none of our receivers could like catch a ball no. that game. Like, no mm. one, like, and it sucked. Me, and and like to like, and it sucked even more because literally the way that game ended with oh, yeah. like a DJ interception. So everybody just thought that, oh, see, guys, DJ threw an interception. See, like, he lost his game for us. I'm like, bro, DJ literally threw the balls in every receiver's hands, and they just dropped it. Yeah. And that was the game. That was the game that Kenny Galladay, like, I think he dropped, like, three passes, and everybody just had enough of it. Oh, and he sprained his MCL that game. Yeah, that's right. Oh, And, of course, that play you mentioned, the interception on the last play, that was when Sterling Shepard tore his ACL. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And think, the whole the whole time though, I think the score was like ten to three, so it was a really close game. And they and then afterwards they were acting like it was a blowout, and that is my biggest problem too with Cowboys fans. I'm like, you guys played horribly. We yeah. just played a little bit worse. Oh yeah, and that rem- yeah, it's like we were in like I remember we even we were even leading in that third quarter because I think Saquon scored like a touchdown run, and we're even winning. And like it, literally, we literally just lost by a touchdown. That's literally all we lost by. And they're acting as if like we got blown out like by like two or three touchdowns. Like, I don't. It's <laughs> absurd. Yeah. Well, and of course the O line. Evan Neal got bullied that whole game by by Demarcus Lawrence, oh. who I I hate. I hate Demarcus Lawrence so much. Like not yeah. as a, just as a player, as a person. I just really think I think he's a really shitty person. Like I, I remember there was that video in 2019 where a Giants, uh, like a young Giants fan who was like 10 years old, asked him for an autograph, and they just said, "Oh, you're wearing the wrong jersey," and walked away. Yeah, that that was week one, 2019, outside of Dallas. Like a young Giants fan had like a, a marker and a hat, and he said, "You're wearing the wrong jersey," and kept walking. That's rude. That that and then plus he, he joked about he joked about Daniel Jones being Eli Manning 2.0, and he thanked Eli Manning for giving him his contract. 
because he hell off sacks on Eli. Like he just talks so much shit about the Giants that I I hate him with a passion. Well, yeah. like at least Demarcus Lawrence, at least Eli has let him not even just winning his. At least he's even been to an NFC Championship. Unlike you, well, he, Eli has as many Super Bowl rings as Demarcus Lawrence has playoff wins. <laughs> <laughs> awesome all right guys we got george i'm gonna add him in george welcome hello how's it going good how are you i'm all right how's everyone doing good doing good good we're just shitting on the cowboys a little bit <laughs> that's always nice yeah it is it's been a treat unfortunately we can't really do the same for the eagles although i do feel like this I mean, I kind of felt like this last year, although there were so many unknowns, but this year I really feel like between us, Dallas, and the Eagles, it's going to be a battle for first place in the East. But I feel like it. we're uh, going to have every opportunity to be in it as much as the other two teams are. And I feel good about that for the first time in a long time. Well, because like a lot of people like to say about how the Giants have never beaten the Eagles. Ironically, they beat them twice in the last three years. Yeah, we when Judge was here, we split it with them. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that's right. About that because we lost so many games with Judge that it's like, oh yeah, we beat the Eagles, but it didn't mean anything. And they should have beaten them three times if Evan Ingram didn't drop that pass. <laughs> that yeah. get, there were that twenty twenty season. Like, there were so many games, like, throughout, like, there were so many losses, like, during those, I think we when we started season one and seven, I think the, like, the few, like, the losses that should have been wins, like, um, I think it was, it was week five. Against Dallas, yeah. When, yeah. When Dak broke his ankle. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It's like, it was that game, it was, um, it was the Evan Ingram games, like, week seven. And then it was the Tampa Bay game, oh, like, yeah. a week eight. That game, that is the one game that, like, I was, like, like I could put the blame on DJ because, like, he did through some, like, mind-boggling interceptions that yeah. I was, like, what, like, bro, what are you doing? And yeah. so, like, that game should have easily been a win. Like, it would have been, a, like, and it's so unfortunate because, and especially because, like, the fact that that Evan Ingram drop was literally the reason why we did not win the division. As bad as, bad as that division was, we could have easily won that division. Every Ingram just like did not have butterfingers. But honestly, though, I feel like missing the playoffs like saved Joe Judge from staying <laughs> on the team. Like, had the Giants yeah. made the playoffs, they would have felt more inclined to keep Judge. So, looking back, I honestly am not upset about about the Eagles tanking that last game. Right. I was yeah, I, I was pissed at the time, but looking back, I'm glad that I'm, I've never been happier to be wrong about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and I feel like the. And it's so funny because because Mara, I could talk about Mara later, but Mara was, I feel like he was about to even keep Judge even last year. But I feel like the one thing that was like, that was officially like the nail in the cough for Judge was that press conference. I think yeah. after yeah. we lost to the Bears. Oh, a clown show one. Yeah, that, oh. that was the one where, where even Mara was like, okay, yeah, you're done. You're done. Uh, uh, I felt even... bad for the reporters who were just sitting there like, what is going on? I have I, I, to report on this. And don't even get me started about the game itself. Glennon had four completions and four turnovers and negative 10 net passing yards. 
Like that was the so game. I, I literally, like, literally the first play of the game, he was strip sacked, and the Bears got the ball all the way down inside the five and scored a touchdown. On the next play, I've never laughed my ass off so hard at, at a at a giant at a stupid Giants play. It was like I didn't even care at that so point. It was bad. it was theater. It was a circus. Yeah. <laughs> the like the Mike Glennon games and the Jake Fromm games. Those were, those games. I just got to a point where I'm just like. I'm just I just need to laugh at like if because right. if, yeah, if I won't laugh, I will cry. So let me just laugh. I think it was like I think it was this one game, I think against the against the Chargers. Oh, yeah. And it's like and for some reason with Mike Glenn as our quarterback, we just we decided to run like a trick play. And I think oh, yeah. <laughs> with Riley Dixon, I remember on the fake punt. <laughs> and, I, oh. and I remember I remember the commentator, like uh the color commentator, he was like Oh Mark yeah. Slayer. Yeah, he was yeah. like, "Yeah, this is one play that should just be stored in the back of the basement and never <laughs> open." Never again. used again. That's when I lost. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> he's not wrong. No, like seriously, he's not wrong. Like, and it's so and it's so funny because, um, especially with Jake Fromm, is like, um, because when Glennon was already losing the game against the Cowboys, I think like <laughs> Jake Fromm was like. Throwing like maybe like two like decent throws in garbage time when we already mm-hmm. lost, and yeah. everyone's like, "Come on, yeah, let's use Drake from." Then he just like, ends up sticking up the joint against the Eagles the next week. I was like, "Okay, he's also garbage." So it's like, "What are we doing?" Yeah, because he's the worst was, backup quarterbacks ever. It was, it was literally when Jake Fromm came in that Cowboys game, he was going against a prevent defense. That's why I I decided not to jump the gun and say he's great. <laughs> Like, I didn't think he could be worse than Glenn, and I was wrong on that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I thought it didn't. That's, I was kind of campaigning for Fromm because I, I'm like, it, it, there's no way it can get worse than Glennon. Like, it's just, mm. it's not possible. And we already have this guy, Fromm, who at this point probably knows the offense. Like, just put him in there. Let's see what happens. <laughs> you know, didn't really help either. Yeah. Well, if, if if that's what caused Joe Judge to be fired, I'm happy we had to go through it. Yeah. Because like like how any way like how Mara actually thought about keeping him on 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 the staff is mind boggling, and I've heard many people say like Giants Twitter was going crazy like on the like yeah. I felt bad for the Giants social media people because they were getting killed and on every post, and like many people said if Giants Twitter didn't like. It, like like it didn't ambush like the social media team that Kevin Abrams would have been promoted to GM and Joe Judge would have stayed. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> but what I think is is crazy because I also think that people don't don't think about this when they think about Gettleman. Obviously, Gettleman was the one who made the final decisions, I think, when it came to the contracts with overpaying Galladay and Solder and whatever. Oh, yeah. But we still have Kevin Abrams, and our cap situation is so much better than it ever was with Gettleman. So I'm like, it's not – I mean, I wouldn't have been thrilled with Abrams as GM, but I do also feel like he wasn't really the problem. It was Gettleman who was strong-arming him into these absurd – contracts and i don't know how abrams made it work but he did but it's much better now but i've been i don't know if you guys have been doing mock drafts i've been seeing a bunch of them and some people have us picking a quarterback in some of the later rounds do you think that we actually 
I mean, I don't think we're picking a quarterback in the early rounds, but since we only have Tyrod on the roster, I mean, I could maybe see them go picking someone in, in the last round since we have three picks, but I'm like, I don't know. We have so many other needs. I'm not so sure that they're going after a quarterback, no matter who it is or what round it is. Yeah, I can see it just so that like we're paying Tyrod a good amount of money. So like as like a low cost option, definitely. Mm-hmm. We I can see that happening. Maybe yeah. like a Stetson Bennett. Who knows? Do you think he's gonna make it to the seventh round? I I mean I'm assuming if I think fifth round maybe, but I okay. I would rather pick another guy other than a quarterback in the fifth round. Yeah. But I like, agree. Yeah. He could be a I, solid pickup. He's he's officially declared. I think so. I, I yeah. I, I thought he did something workouts and stuff. Yeah. Okay. I feel like no one's been talking about him. That's why I didn't I wasn't sure if he declared or not because after the state championship, I everyone was like, This dude's like twenty five. So it's like maybe he's just gonna keep playing college football. Like who knows? And I think <laughs> like shortly doing? after he got like some like do you not a DUI, but like a some like drunk arrest. Oh, I saw yeah. That. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think, like I think no he... more college football for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Lugrin, like I think he this past year was like his last year of college eligibility mm-hmm. so so oh, i feel like okay. he did yeah yeah i think so but it's like it's so like every time i look back like um like they would look like i was thinking like man this guy's really just been like almost has like a professional career as a college student yeah as a, like every time they kept on showing that um he's like even like lamar jackson's like a few months younger than him i believe i was like oh my god <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird being like twenty five years old and still going to college on like just being in a college campus and being around like other twenty year olds. It's just <laughs> odd, but it's. I mean, he's winning, but at the same time, it's like when he celebrates, he's he's celebrating with other eighteen, nineteen year olds. Like, I don't know. <laughs> right, he's got to feel ancient. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I would. Yeah, I, I feel old in that situation. I'm a lot older than him, so. Yeah. Same. Yeah, one fun fact I found out the other day is you know JSN actually has a brother named named Cannon who who plays for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's an outfielder. Really? Yeah. Family. Yeah, Cannon yeah. Smith Smith Najigba. He's an outfielder for the Pirates. I had no idea until I watched the Red Sox versus Pirates game the other night, like just for free because I had free time, and then I saw his name and I and I like that name. I was like, what the? So then I looked him up, and it turns out he's the brother of JSN. <laughs> Wow, small world. Yeah. I feel like um now going to you back to your question about the quarterbacks, like I feel like um we can I feel like it, it's kinda it's kinda weird because like like you just said, like there's definitely other like holes to fill and like we are we do have Tyrod as a backup already. I think it's just like if there's like no other option like okay let's just pick like a a guy like another quarter that can just maybe compete for a second string i guess with tyrod i guess so but yeah i feel like it would have to come like late like sixth or seventh round mm-hmm. i feel like yeah. great we got bigger needs than that yeah <laughs> who do you guys have going, I feel like- like, in the first round first second third to the Giants? Yeah. I I am really so torn. Like, I think they could go wide receiver. 
I think they could go cornerback, and I wouldn't be entirely surprised if they went linebacker. I still feel like I could also see them picking a center, but I do think that all of the experts say that none of the centers or the guards are really first-round talent outside from Osiris Torrance, who I don't think is going to make it to us. So I I really like Quentin Johnston. I don't think we're going to get him. But I could, if they go wide receiver, I could see them getting Zay Flowers if he yeah. makes it to us. Um, I like Trenton Simpson. I like Nolan Smith. Um, I like Titman and John Michael Schmitz. I would I would be happy with any of those guys. Um, I don't I don't know how lucky we're going to be that any of them make it to us at twenty five. Yeah. Like I originally was just like strictly like cornerback because it's mm. like it's pretty deep and it's talented as well. And yeah. I always thought like the wide receiver class is deep, but it's not like really top heavy. There's not like a stud like wide out one. So I was like strictly like cornerback first round. But then slowly I was just like, you know, Zay Flowers is actually really nice. I wouldn't mind drafting that guy and like getting a corner in the second round. Yeah, that's what I like, that because the cornerback is heavy, I do feel like we could get a good corner in mm -hmm. probably the second round, maybe even the third. But who are your guys' top corner picks? Because I feel like there's some good options. Yeah, I think, like, for in our area, like, everyone's um, mocking, like, Deontay Banks. Mm. Um, so I was, like, big on him. and then, But I've been seeing some mocks where – Forbes is going in the second. So I haven't done much research on the corners, but like, I wouldn't mind those two. Yeah. Right, like we just need a press guy, like, and someone that could develop while Adore is taking number one snaps, mm -hmm. but like, we need a guy that can eventually take over for Adore when he does leave. So that was my thing. Like I'm hoping in the first two rounds drafting a corner. I think that, yeah, I agree. Like, Especially when, like, we started, like, when we started stockpiling up uh, more receivers during, like, that first week of free agency, that's when, I was, that's when, like, I started to shift more towards, I feel like, cornerback, like, is a definite need, like, first or second round. Definitely, like, at the, like, maximum one of those first two rounds. I feel like we have to pick a corner in one of those two rounds. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like, and... I feel like with uh, I really would love like a like a uh, like a, one of those top receivers. Like, but obviously, it's like we just have to be like really lucky for them to fall to one of us, and like yeah. it's a huge long shot that that even happens. So, I feel like, um, so yeah, I feel like cornerback ended up being my first option, and then it's like, and well, before and even then, even after we picked the center today. I like I am kind of maybe like a day two pick could be one of the centers, like if they're available. So I feel like those are like I feel like those are like the two positions that I would pick. And like I still like wide receiver. It is a luxury, so like not like I would say no if they do pick a solid wide receiver mm -hmm. in day one or day two, but I feel like um cornerback and center, I feel like those are like my priorities. You're on mute, Alex.
No, we still can't hear you. I think it's at the it's at the bottom of the screen. Like mute, stop cam, and it's weird. It doesn't show he's muted. Could be audio issues. No. I mean, but just to add, like, I wouldn't mind the first three picks getting like a wide out corner and center. I think if we adjust yeah. those three, and if there's a those are like solid picks, I don't need to watch the rest of the draft. I'm I'm be happy with just that. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind drafting a, a linebacker in the in, in with those picks either. It's like, because like Bobby O is solid, but we could use mm-hmm. another guy, and I can't. I don't know if we could depend on Beavers being like that guy, especially coming off injury. He was very promising in the yeah. preseason, but for him to like step in after injury, um, yeah, I wouldn't mind like getting a replacement for him and competing for that. So. I agree. And that's why I am trying not to get too like obsessed with certain players because aside from the fact that we have no idea who's actually going to be on the board at 25, there are so many holes that we need to fill that right. if instead of going wide receiver, we go corner or linebacker or center or whatever. I'm not even, I'll, I'll be like, this is great. We need all of those people too. Yeah. We're I mean, in the, if they go, that unique it, position. Yes, definitely. I, I think that works out in our benefit. Now, if they went like a punter or something, I would lose my shit. But outside of that, I'm like, we have any of those other things covered, then we're good. Yeah, but they're smarter than that. Oh, yeah, yeah you're, you're working on Okay, what I was trying to say before is that although it's not really a need now, now that we got Darren Waller, I wouldn't mind Michael Mayer from mm. Notre Dame. He's it's like he's not my first choice, but I'm not going to be upset. And honestly, I'd, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I like him too. <laughs> I'm not so sure he's going to make it to 25 either. Yeah, this yeah, is like, it's like a deep tight end draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I was like, this is like. And it's so funny how we're like we're in this position like for the first time like forever it feels like because you know it's like we used to always heading into draft day we used to like scramble for every mock draft to like oh yeah it's like all right we know which like all right we know which player we're gonna pick or or we they better pick this player because we usually are like one of like the top five picks in the draft so it's like this time it's like you know now we want to play games so like we're well like a lot later in the first round so it was just like it's like a it's like it's good like it's, it's like kind of like all right yeah we don't have to worry about you know having some top pick again but it's like it is become like like kind of frustrating because it's just like like so it's like damn like what do we even who like there are some solid options but it's like we have to wait and see what's available to for us at pick number 25 is like yeah. we have to like hope that some of these players can fall to us so it's like a it's like a situation that we really haven't been in in a long time so mm-hmm. that's what makes it weird and and then to your point when you're talking about like beavers and the others it's like that is the one thing that will be interesting because and i wonder if they will if like the the front office will take into account is like uh, players like especially like Beavers who obviously missed the regular season, and like players like Flot who it depends on like how are they going to develop in year two and like like where are they going to show that they can offer on the field in year two because like 
I feel like Flot, he does have some, I feel like Flot, it has shown some capabilities, but it's like with Flot, for example, like he needs to like bulk up a lot and like, yeah, like it's like show like some much added strength, uh, especially in that cornerback spot. So I feel like it's, I feel like that's where the, uh, like that, like, uh, I guess knowing or kind of processing what those uh, upcoming year two players what, how they'll perform and what they think they'll perform. I feel like they'll take into account what certain positions or what players they'll draft and what certain positions are more necessary and require than the others. Yeah. yeah. I also wouldn't rule out them trading down. I mean, I don't know if they, if or there's up. any, yeah, if there's any certain player that they really love that they would be willing to trade down to go get, or if they would say, this guy's still on the board at, 25 let's get more picks if we know we can get them later yeah. so i don't know i feel like it could go any way yeah joe um, shane i think last last season he dropped he traded down a couple of times in the with the second round pick i'm not too sure but yeah, i yeah. think with the bears yeah because yeah, i remember we were we were trying like a lot of giants fans were hoping that they would draft nicobe dean and then it's like right. they started drafting down to like like two times, I think it was, and like and I was, wanted him, or I wanted like a corner because we needed a corner really bad. And there were so many good corners out there, and then we drafted Wandale. So like that was kind of a head scratcher to me, but like yeah, I feel like yeah, I feel like with Wandale, it was like it was like it was a head scratch because especially because like I think George Pickens was also a yeah, man. so like, I wanted yeah. him so bad, but I got I understood there was like um he had character issues and he was hurt, but like yeah. Yeah. I would have loved George Pickens. He would have easily been our wide out one here. Yeah. <laughs> I picked him in my fantasy league, but then he had a really slow start. And I was like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> so I ended up dropping him for someone else. But I am by the way, the last time the Giants picked at 20 or later was 2017. And they picked Evan Ingram, I think, yeah. 22nd overall that year. That was a horrible pick. Yeah. I wanted Ryan Ramchak so bad because yeah. Old line help we needed for the past like decade and still do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for us I mean, to draft him, and I think the whole reasoning behind it was like, I think he, like Jerry Reese's re- uh, reasoning was like, oh, like Evan Ingram's quick, we can get the ball out quicker instead of like building mm-hmm. protection for Eli. He was like, all right, just get the ball out quicker, and yeah, didn't work out like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like so many, like the last few years of Reese are so miserable. Like first flowers, then Apple, yeah. and then That's Ingram. So... Like no, Ingram yeah. wasn't DeAndre as bad. As yeah. Oh, he traded up for that too. By the way, he traded up for DeAndre Baker, and then like he robbed people after getting his after getting paid. Like like uh, that was a head scratcher. Even though like someone said he was innocent, I I just like really like just and come Sam Beal too. That's why I'm like. Uh, I mean, thank God that Shane got rid of some of the scouting department because I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what you guys are looking at, but it's obviously not the same thing that other teams are looking at. Like yeah. these guys are not even in the NFL anymore. So obviously something is not right. Bro, like the Eli Apple one, that was such that was such oh. a panic pick because especially like we wanted Floyd, I think, and then the Bears yeah, took him, yeah. And it's uh, like um Leonard it was like yeah it was um, yeah, okay. that was also the year that uh that was Tunsil. Tunsil, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tunsil I, fell I wanted him so bad, but I know Mara <laughs> would never pick a guy like that, especially after doing that. But yeah, we Mara. still end up drafting these like 
character guy issue like how many controversies yeah. do we have on our team like so many and we because we're quote unquote like trying to draft a good character guy i'm like just grab the guy he's the best left tackle now it's just like and he's sliding like, down and then like you said it was like a eli, like eli apple is such a panic pick and he's still eli apple is still a nightmare like yeah. the amount of memes uh, that i saw and Bengals fans being like i hate this guy yeah. i'm like I, uh, I I feel for you. I'm so sorry. Uh, all he does is all he does is talk shit on Twitter. Like he was talking shit about New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, he, he has like sense. one or two good games, and then he like he finds the opportunity to talk shit. Oh, and, like, and, and, and I'm I'm sorry, you go first. Yeah, yeah, you can go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, if anyone remembers in 2017, that Week 14 game during the Cowboys, he tweeted during the game and, and cheered for Rod Smith. Who scored a touchdown against the Giants and said, "I'll always be a Buckeye, though." Like Ew, it, what? A, that was a violation of NFL rules too to tweet during a game. <laughs> like he was cheering That's for a place. Cowboys yeah. player just because he, he was an Ohio State Buckeye. That's I how you knew. Fined. So do I. <laughs> but no, I remember. Um, it was the playoff game when the Bengals beat the Titans last year. I remember he made like he made like a critical like pass deflection that led to an interception and then they scored Bengals scored the game winning field goal. I remember I was like, hold up, I know Eli Apple did not just make an actual like good defensive play late in the game. And of course, lo and behold, he starts talking shit like after him, like, bro, okay, you made one good play, like calm. I think and then um and another um which we'll call it last year again, or this excuse me, this past playoffs against the the Jeez. Ravens. He was literally the reason why the Ravens got back into that game. I think he like has some blown coverage, and he just like Ravens just ended up scoring an easy touchdown. I'm like, bro, this guy does not disappoint at all. And he didn't, he did the same thing. Like that's why everybody was so happy when like uh, what's his face. Cooper Cup just completely cooked him in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, but that was it's like I feel like the fact that. The fact that he was the one who had the game-winning touchdown score on him, that was like that just made like Giants and Saints fans just like collectively happy about that. And he had the DPI call against him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> like as as sad as I was for, for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and those guys, yeah. I was so happy to see Eli Apple blow the game. Yeah. Yeah. But like that that genuinely brought a smile to my face. And of course, seeing OBJ get a ring. Right. Yeah. That would have imagine if OBJ didn't get hurt and it was like him scoring the game winning touchdown on Eli Apple. Oh. <laughs> that, would have... that really would have sent Giants fans into a frenzy. Yeah, full circle. So I think we only have a couple minutes left because I think this just goes to an hour. So speaking of OBJ, let's end it on a a, a what's the word I'm looking for? A um controversial topic do you want um, obj back on the giants for the right price yes yeah yeah i wouldn't I mind agree. it yeah i agree for the right price i think yeah. his two best options like... are just the chiefs and us i don't think like for us it's like unfinished business and then mm -hmm. for the chiefs like if you want to win a ring go ahead and play with mahomes yeah but, like apparently obj's knee was a huge cause for concern when he was traded to the rams like because he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl, apparently like the Rams knew that was bound to happen because of the medicals on his knee, which he had already torn that ACL before. 
So like mm -hmm. that's why no no team signed him this past year when he was a free agent was because of their concerns about his knee and how much longer he'll be able to play. Yeah, that's one of my biggest concerns, which is why I agree with you guys. I would take him if we can get him for cheap. Like I, I would not be signing him to a 10 plus million dollar a year deal, but if they could get him to agree for Darius Slayton type money, then sure, it can't hurt, right? So I feel like I'd be happy with that. I just, the injury thing, like we already have so many guys on this roster who are coming back from injuries or have dealt with injury at some point that I'm like, can we just get someone who like maybe doesn't have an injury history? Is that so hard to find? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like the Cowboys, I feel like the Cowboys, honestly, I feel like the Cowboys were never going to really try to sign OBJ. I feel like the Cowboys just because like, especially Jerry Jones, just because he wanted to put his name forth and, like, mm -hmm. just create headlines. I feel like that was the only reason why he did it. I feel like OBJ never really wanted to be a Cowboy, so... Yeah, I, was, I don't think he did. Yeah. Well, they released, Jerry Jones released his medicals, by the way. Like, that's like that's <laughs> why, because they wanted... Like, like there was something about, like, like wanting to lower, or like, the price or something, but... Oh, yeah, I forgot uh, about that. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I, I could picture Jerry doing that out of spite, because OBJ was like, actually, I don't really want to come here, so... <laughs> Right. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Also, by the way, I think drafting OBJ really saved Jerry Reese's job in 2014 because he was on mm. thin ice when that happened. And like had OBJ not turned into a stud right away, like Jerry Reese would have been on the hot seat then. Mm -hmm. So yeah. like, he should have fired with Coughlin. That's my always contention. Yeah, yeah and, that, and was Mac, big, our, that was our biggest mistake was and, letting him keep him keeping him and then firing Coughlin. And keeping mm -hmm. McAdoo as the head coach. Yeah. Like McAdoo yeah. never should have been the head coach. Like <laughs> they should have hired someone completely different. That someone asked Mara about that recently when he was at the owners meeting, because obviously when we've seen other teams do this, when they blow it up, they blow it all up and they don't just get rid of the GM or just get rid of the head coach. Someone asked Mara, like, do you think that it was the right decision to finally go outside of the organization? And he was, I mean, obviously the only answer to that is yes, mm -hmm. but, and that's what he said. But, um, but I still think like it took way too long and I still will never understand why they even brought Gettleman back. Like, he didn't have a great track record in Carolina. So why would you bring him back to the Giants when we're already struggling? From what so I many read, people hated him. Yeah, from oh. what I read, I think what it was was Mara wanted to win again with Eli. And a lot oh. of the GMs were like done with Eli. So Gettleman oh. was like one guy was like, Yeah, I could work with Eli. And yeah. I am a Gettleman defender. I don't hate Gettleman as much as you do, Adriana, but <laughs> that's what I mean. You go back and forth. I'll defend Gettleman because I hate Reese more than Gettleman, more okay. than I ever will. But I do agree that we shouldn't have hired Gettleman in the first place because of that reasoning. And that's why I'll hate Mara and Reese more than anything because Mara always finds ways to do dumb stuff to ruin our team, whether it's keeping uh, Reese and firing Coughlin whether it's trying to draft, I mean, uh, hiring Gettleman. Because even with that GM search, I don't know if you guys uh, remember, they interviewed four guys. They interviewed Gettleman, um, another guy, Mark something. He worked with Reese. So it was like three internal guys in Gettleman. That's yeah. it. 
And it's like Gentleman to. was Gentleman yeah. was typically already in it, like familiar with the team. So I was like, yeah, right. so like literally, like, I think it was like Abrams, that guy Mark, and uh, Gettleman, and some other. So like as opposed to with Joe Shane, we hired we uh, interviewed so many people outside the organization. Yeah. So and I think like Gettleman's first few picks, he was trying to win, like win now with Eli, and that was the wrong approach, obviously. The, yeah, but my biggest thing during that point was like. If you were trying to win with Eli, he's not a mobile quarterback. So mm-hmm. why are you not drafting offensive linemen? Yeah, Quentin so, Nelson. Shoulder is gonna yeah. fix it. Quentin so Nelson. That, yeah. What, what, yeah. What? I just. So my know. thing with that is, so Nate Solder was the best left tackle, and he did well with Brady. But the thing with Brady is, he gets the ball out in a second. Yeah. So Eli Manning is not was that guy. Off an injury. Right. He was on the older side. Which I think it would have been a different story if he didn't give him millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. If he signed him to a vet minimum or something like that, fine. But but at that point, it's like Eli had been struggling with a line for years. Like, mm-hmm. why is that not the priority? Yeah, that was it. my thing with Gettleman. He never fixed it. Um, with the tackle situation, it's like those drafts um, in the past, like except for like Andrew Thomas, every other draft didn't have like a deep, uh, tackle class it was not that great and like with left tackles and right tackles especially left tackles when a team drafts a good one they usually sign them to like a long-term extension they yeah. never let them go so that should have been a telltale sign not to draft i mean not to sign soldier but i understood mm-hmm. i understood why he did it right um but i also will say that Gettleman should have been fired when we fired Shermer. that was mm-hmm. also another thing mara didn't do right and i'm just like yeah. He didn't learn from his mistake for, you know, firing Coughlin and keeping Reese. I and- think he he tried to piecemeal it. And he thought, okay, well, get him in. He drafted Jones and he drafted Barkley. And he hit on a couple guys in the draft like McKinney. So, you know, if we just get a new coach, then the coaching's the problem. Mm-hmm. It's not the GM. And I yeah. unfortunately had to learn the hard way. But, I, I mean, at this point, what I said is I – I don't care how many GMs and head coaches it took to get to Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Like if we had to hire a new coach every year for four years and it didn't work out, then fine. We finally have the right people. I don't think anyone cares that it took them three different head coaches and GMs and whatever to figure it out. But I think they could have saved everyone a lot of heartache if they just blew it up from the get-go. Yeah, exactly. And and by the way, that reminds me, like when you're talking about how Maris screwed up, like I, I heard, like I, I remember there was a story that came out that the only reason he actually fired judges because Steve Tisch told him that he had to yeah. go with a new GM I, and a new head coach. Yeah, Steve oh, Tisch really? is like kind of quiet. Yeah, he just like, like he's in the background, but it was so bad that he was like, "Yo, we have to do something." Yeah, like Mara, I really wanted to keep Judge a third year, but but Steve Tisch told him, "No, you can't do it again. You have to start with a clean slate entirely." <laughs> And like that's the that's the only reason why so many people were against Ke- Kevin Abrams was not because he's necessarily bad, but because we wanted someone from outside the organization yeah. to mm-hmm. come in. Like that's why so many people were against Kevin Ing- Abrams, although he didn't really do anything terrible. Yeah. yeah, I think they also felt like the way that Gettleman screwed up the cap situation is maybe. Maybe Abram should have intervened and said, this is not a good idea. Our cap situation is X, Y, Z. But from everything that's come out after that, 
there was no doing that with Dave Gettleman. Aside from the communication with him and everyone else in the building being garbage, there he, it was his way or the highway, and there was no way around that. And I think we've all seen that with Joe Shane. It, Kevin Abrams is still Kevin Abrams, but the way that he, they've been able to move, maneuver the cap has been so different. But at that point, no one knew that until now. Yeah. So yeah, I think sure. Abrams took probably more of the blame than he deserved. <laughs> Yeah, like, I feel like that's always been, and the thing with, like, the Gettleman stuff is, like, because, like, two like two things. One is that, like, Gettleman, like, Mara didn't even make it clear if we should still try to contend or completely rebuild. Like, he was making it seem like we can do a combination of the point. And the only way, like, you can contend, like, contend and rebuild at the same time is that the team has already been like a contender like for the past few years at that point and at that point like heading into 2018 we were terrible like we were not even in a contending like role as a team so it was like like I get it we had Eli and like Eli's always been like Mr. Reliable for us but it's like it's like he's coming on the tail like he's approaching the tail end of his career and it's like I don't know how you can, especially coming off a three and thirteen season, which at that point, I probably the arguably arguably the worst season in Giants history. So it was like I don't know how you can make the case of yeah, we're still con- trying to contend, but at the same time, we're going to rebuild. Like you can't really mix the two at that point. And then with the Steve Tish thing, that's I remember like the Steve Tish thing was always always made me laugh because it's like. For a lot of Giants fans, like no one really knows what Steve Tish's role even is. And so it's right. like so he's it's a silent like, partner. He's losing yeah, a silent partner. I remember yeah. people were making jokes that Steve Tish just got off his yacht and just headed to East Rutherford just to just yeah. to clear things up. Just to like, say yeah. fire judge. Yeah. <laughs> and then he went back. Yeah. And like that would be awesome. Yeah, and and the thing with um and then Mar is like, I think and um, I, like again like he didn't and we just said it but he never like knew how to like properly fire coaches and GMs. It's like he always like kept him doing all right. I'm gonna keep you for like another two years and then I'm gonna fire you and then I'm gonna. I'm like, you might as well just fire the whole regime at the same time. Yeah, it's it's like, exactly conservative. Yeah. 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 I think he was afraid to blow it up because I don't know if he thought that maybe they had a they had a chance it wasn't you know it was just the coach or it was just the gm or whatever but i think he was afraid to blow it all up and start over because it it would have at that point meant that okay we're definitely in a rebuild now where if it's just the coach it's like okay well we we can still go on as we were and attempt to win i think he was also very comfortable like with the previous GMs, it was like George Young was kind of homegrown and then Ernie Accorsi was homegrown and they have had a success with that. And then they won two Super Bowls with Jerry Reese, which is also homegrown. So I understood why he did that. But after Jerry Reese's debacle, is that's when you like change the approach and, you know, go outside. And honestly, I don't know if I'm simplifying things, but I feel like for like owners, you just hire like the number two guy at a successful organization and let them run the show. I, that's like you can't go wrong with that. And let them hire the coach. Let them hire their staff. And if mm-hmm. it doesn't work out, then you do it all over again. But it's right. just like, like you said, he does this piecemealing thing where it's like he keeps the one guy and then he fires the other guy. And then it's like, you know, over and over again for the past like 10 years, it's been like this. 
Well, that, that's what I like yeah. to call putting bandages on a ship instead of repairing yeah. it. Yeah. That's that's literally what Mara has been doing for the longest time until Steve Tisch finally told them enough is enough, and then mm -hmm. that's why they hired. That's why they they hired Shane and a new head coach, and look look where it's bringing us. Yeah, we're finally on an upward trajectory for the first time in a long time. Yeah, it's like a and one a quick, a quick thing. Is like, I feel like one thing that also screwed us up was the fact that John Mara put Chris Mara into like the front office, like decision-making, I never under, like, I feel like that actually did a lot more damage than I feel like it gets credit for because why Chris Mara even got put into decision-making, I have no idea why, but it's, that's always been mind-boggling to me. Yeah. I think a lot of us were surprised at the role that he had. I mean, I think, like John, he's been in the organization for forever, so they could argue that he knows the ins and outs and knows how the scouting team does things and all of that kind of thing. But I think when you get to the point where the scouting and, and everything that has been done over the last five to ten years is not yielding any good results, like you just have to make changes at the end of the day. So I was I, I wonder if that was part of the hesitation too to bring in someone from the outside is that he probably okay. expected like some of the guys that have been here forever are not gonna be here anymore, like Chris Pettit, but you got to do what you got to do. If you want to win Super Bowls and you want fans to be happy and pay for ticket prices and come to games, you can't go three and 13 for years and years. Well, and that's why, like, call me crazy, but like, after what happened in 2017, 2021, I have a bit of a, like, I have PTSD from those years. So, because like, like 2016 and 2020 were like the last two good years, supposedly. And then, like, the next year, everything fell apart. Mm -hmm. Like, like, so, like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I think Dable's way better than Matt, both McAdoo and Judge, but I have too much PTSD to not be worried about this upcoming year a bit. Just saying. I know. I've already <laughs> seen people say, because John Marin at the owner's meeting said, you know, he loves Brian Dable and he told him that I think he's doing a great job, but he reminded him that this is New York and one year you're Bono and one year you're Bozo. So he <laughs> like, I kind of warned him, like, you know, he has faith in him, like all of us do, that we think it's, I'm sure it's going to be fine. But, um, but he kind of warned him, like, yeah, they all love you now, but if you screw it up next year, everyone's going to hate you. So don't yeah. screw it up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I trust Shane though. Yeah, I think we're too. in good hands. And that was I the agree. one thing, like with Gettleman, I like he inherited a bad situation with Reese. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know your take, Adriana. Like with the Gettleman picks, it seems like it's this is pretty much Gettleman's team with the addition of some of the stuff, uh, like the picks that um Shane had, but a lot of his picks were also injured because half our draft was also injured. So, yeah. like, what did your take on Gettleman change, or is it pretty much the same? Because, I mean, like, what my one thing with Reese, too, is we are like, I think one guy or two guys got like um, contract extensions, but like, we're seeing multiple players get contract extensions with Gettleman's picks. And that was the one thing I'll give Gettleman is late, um, his draft picks and his later free agent picks were pretty solid, I would say, with the Blake Martinez, Adoree Jackson, James mm -hmm. Bradbury. And Leah Williams. Leah Williams, yeah. 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 I, 
I kind of still feel the same about it. Mm -hmm. um, my biggest thing is he had, well, I have a couple things. He had 32 draft picks, and at the end of the day, only eight of them are still on the Giants and are actually performing well. That's the first thing. The second thing is a lot of the guys that he drafted are playing their best football now because of the coaching. So if he drafted Micah Parsons, would I have the same argument? Would Micah Parsons come in and been what he is with the Cowboys? Or would he have taken a step back like a lot of the guys did that he drafted because the coaching was so bad? I don't know. I can only base it off of what's happening right now. So that's part of it. And at the end of the day, he hired the coaching. So yeah. but that's I, also that's, like the owner too, right? Like coaching yeah. is, yeah. No, I agree with but, what you're saying. Yeah. So I think that, and, and free agency to me was, is 50, 50. He made some great picks like the guys that you mentioned, but he also royally screwed up our cap by just yeah. overpaying people who didn't deserve it. So yeah. like the Nate Solder thing, even Kenny Galladay, like Kenny Galladay. I mean, I guess you could argue that it was his prime, but his prime yeah. was not OBJ prime. DeAndre Hopkins. I think he was, like, he was in a bidding war with himself. The, I don't right. think any other teams were like bidding for his services. It was just him. And yeah, right. he overpaid. Yeah, I agree. Totally. And oh. Leo Williams too. Now, you know, he's got a $32 million cap hit this year and yeah. I want Leo to stay. I think that he should stay. I think him and Dexter are a great pair. Um, but I mean, a $32 million cap hit. like Right. Yeah. And I also think like with Joe Shane, he's like more contract savvy. I don't like yes. if Gettleman was our GM, I think he would have gave Daniel Jones the bag full on. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. hundred million dollars. Yeah, Saquon, Saquon would have got the bag too. Like, yes. <laughs> and we'd be. Because those are his guys. So. Yes. Which I get it to a degree, right? Like some people will say that Shane overpaid for Daniel Jones and he's not worth $40 million a year. And time will tell. We'll find out this year whether or not he yeah. really is. Mm -hmm. But he, he was willing to spend a certain amount of money because that was his guy. He could have went out and drafted a quarterback or got Lamar Jackson or gotten anyone else in free agency, but he felt like Jones was the guy. But he did it smartly. It's really yeah. only a two-year deal. Gettleman would have been like, yeah. we'll pay you more than Aaron well Rodgers. We don't yeah. care. Well, yeah. by the way, though, like, like I, I, I truly believe that, that $40 million a year in a, in a few years for a quarterback will be chump change because the Definitely. quarterback market is going way up. Like that that's why, I, like, too. yeah, like yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled when they signed him for four years, one sixty. But then, like, when I realized how much, like, how much more that, like, how much less value that'll actually be in a few years, I was actually happy with it, because like only, like, you can only imagine it how much Joe Burrow is going to be paid in a few years. Oh, yeah. Not only yeah. that, but uh, yeah, I think even Josh Allen as well. Josh, like, oh yeah, he's gonna like those two are gonna like completely just reset the entire QB market. So the, yeah. yeah, like you said, like the fact that we got it like the the deal like covered like at this point, I feel like that's like bigger relief than we'd ever imagine. I yeah. think so too. Yeah. Well then one thing like like one thing I want to say about Kenny Galladay briefly is that I felt like 2021 was more of the coaching but coach's fault than his mm -hmm. fault for his lack of production. But then 2022 i felt like he just gave up on the team and that's why he wasn't used yeah i mean of. jason garrett should be arrested like he should <laughs> never be arrested for that, that's i i think that's also a mara pick that's he, Mar, joe judge had no connection with jason garrett mm -hmm. jason garrett's a good friend of the mara family and i think his reasoning was 
Joe Judge is a new coach. You know, Garrett's been around. He can coach him up. He can, like, take over if need be. And look what happened. This is what, exactly why mm-hmm. Marsh is doing well now with stepping back and letting his GMs and coaches do their own thing. Yes, and that was my problem, too, because I think Gettleman oversaw all of the decisions that were made, and, you know, he helped bring in the coaching staff. But I I don't know who was the one who made the final decisions, but whoever it was is the reason why mm-hmm. we had so many issues. I mean, from and Mara said it again about he always talks about the communication, that the communication between Dable and Shane is so different and they're on page with everything and they talk all the time and they loop me in and I know everything that's going on. And when you hear things like that, it's very obvious that it wasn't like that, that I'm just like, how did you expect to have any success when the GM's not talking to the owner, the owner's not talking to the head coach, the head coach and the GM obviously don't like each other. No one likes the offensive coordinator. Like how how are you supposed to have anything good go on in the building? And remember, Adriana, I told I sent you that article about how Joe Judge wanted Brian Dable to be his OC, but the Bills refused. Yeah, like, like I, smart. Like I remember, I actually found out about that story in in twenty twenty, like like a few games into the season. I was so pissed at that time because I, I thought like how much better would our offense be with Dable than Garrett? But oh, yeah. but honestly, had Dable been hired as the OC, I don't know if he ever would have become our head coach. So. Yeah, I guess I guess it worked out in the end. Yeah, and I and I don't even know like and when I even made it more head scratch that Jason Garrett literally came off of his last get what do you know eight and eight season as a Cowboys head coach and then Morrow's like oh he's done with the Cowboys all right let's just take him like bro yeah. he literally he literally came off of another mediocre season with the <laughs> with Cowboys team. of all yeah. teams yeah, yeah. like you want to get team. Like, your offensive yeah. coordinator it's like what the heck. And his yeah. outdated offense. <laughs> <That> was- <laughs> I was working in Boston at the time, so I was surrounded by Pats fans. And I was, like, getting these alerts that Jason Garrett was coming in for an interview. And I was like, oh, hell no. And the, all the Pats fans around me were like, ooh, Jason Garrett's going to be your head coach. And I was like, you are going to see a person that you have never seen in this office before if Jason Garrett is hired as our head coach because I am absolutely going to lose my mind. And then even as the OC, I'm like, we all know he's not head coach material. But then as the OC, I'm like, oh, my God. this is It can't possibly work out in our favor. It just can't. I was willing to give him a chance. Like, like I wasn't thrilled with the hire. But, like, given that, like, like, I mean, he went to Princeton. He was considered a smart offensive mind in the past. Like, I I was willing to at least give him a chance. But then, of course, like, once, like, in 2020, I kind of gave him a pass because, like, there were very few – actual weapons for him to work with and of course Barkley towards ACL yeah. but 2021 when they signed Galladay and like they drafted Tony and their the offense was 10 times worse that's mm-hmm. when I, I really got I really just I was done with him and I was yeah. so happy when they fired him after that Monday night game against the Buccaneers <laughs> oh. I remember no like I remember literally it was that set, it was that week two Thursday night game against Washington oh yeah and then Galladay he was like getting pissed off like Jason Gay. that's when I knew like yeah Jason Gay, you're absolute like please leave yeah. like you're not do- you're already pissing off our free agent wide receiver like bro what are you doing like why yeah. are you still here oh yeah that that thursday night game against washington like i didn't think anything could be more heartbreaking than ingram's dro- drop but slayton said hold my beer yeah yeah 
Like, I feel like and, that was like that was like the story of like those first few years with 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 DJ. It was like he would have these great statistical games, but then it was like some random drop or like a some bad breakdown that would just bad, <laughs> like or bad interception too. Yeah, yeah, that just yeah. ruined it for him. Yeah, and that almost happened against the Titans when he threw that when he stared down Barkley in the end zone, and I I loved that Dable was actually. Like being frank with him, I mean, I don't think Dable yeah. should have like been yelling his head off, but like I thought Dable handled it, handled it perfectly. He wasn't like ripping him apart, but he was also not he wasn't babying him. He was yeah. telling him the truth that he has to be better. Yeah. I think even and I think even Dable, I think he, I think after the game, he said how he doesn't. He kind of regretted yelling at him like that because he's not the biggest fan of yelling like that. But I feel like, yeah, like he just wanted. To like, I think when it's like warranted, he does right. Yeah. right. He's not and like I, over the top. Yeah. yeah, and he got through to him. I mean, mm-hmm. Jones didn't make mistakes like that for weeks and weeks after that. And Dable also said too that he really got to know Jones. So I think Jones didn't take it personally. Um, but it's it's very different approach than we've seen. So I'm excited for. Dable's future with the team, but um, I I got to get going, so I think it's it's about time. We'll go ahead and wrap this up. Anyone has one last thing that we want to say, and then yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and get the get it up on YouTube and on Spotify and Apple. All right. Well, like one last thing I'll say, like about Daniel Jones, is that like contrary to how most people were when they they gave up on him entirely, I, I always knew he had potential. Like it was, he he always just tried to do too much. That's why he threw so many interceptions. Like instead of just throwing the ball away, it, like he he would force it, and then like that's what happened in that Monday night game against the Buccaneers in 2020 when he threw those two terrible interceptions. Like that's what Dable really did. He taught him to just throw the ball away instead of taking a sack or throwing an INT. So like I always knew Jones had potential. He just he needed the right head coach to to, to coach the turnovers out of him, and then he would be set. So, yeah. like, like I will say, I did kind of give up on him a little bit after 2021, but now, like, I know it was just the head, head coaching problem, like, with Judge and Garrett that really set him back years. So, like, I'm happy that Jones proved that, that he is a capable quarterback and that he just needed the right coaching to, to make him stop having so many turnovers. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, um, I guess my last thing is just um, I feel like because people like a lot of like critics put a lot of emphasis on DJ's like low touchdown totals, and they always right. love to disregard they love to disregard his rushing stats. Yeah, Nick Wright, right? Nick so Wright. it's like, and so I feel like now that we've got like a big glimpse of him, like with a competent coaching staff, and now that he's got a playoff win under his belt. And adding some new pieces, I feel like now I feel like I feel like we are going to see Dable kind of like let him off the training wheels a little bit, like because he now has a good idea of how he plays like and everything. So I feel like he is going to I feel like he's going to increase his totals a lot more this season. And I feel like I mean, he's still going to always have critics because he's Daniel Jones, number six pick. So everybody's going to always want to like make a joke out of him but obviously we don't care so i feel like but i do feel like he's gonna have an even better uh 2023 yeah 
And okay. I was never high, I was never high on Haskins, yeah. by the way. Rest in peace. But like mm-hmm. in in tw- I remember in 2019, I did not want the Giants to draft Haskins. I was actually saying to myself, I'd rather they hold off on drafting a QB until next year. Because mm-hmm. like outside of Kyler Murray, none of the quarterbacks really impressed me that much. I mean, people thought Drew Locke was better than Daniel Jones. Geno Smith won the job over him in Seattle. Congrats to him, by the way. But that's the other thing. I was like, I was one of the few people that was actually happy the Giants didn't draft Wayne Haskins, and I was right. I mean, Haskins had so many character problems. He was released by Washington less than two years after he was drafted, mm. and I mean, it's I was sad to hear about him dying, but like that's the that's the truth. I'm happy the Giants didn't draft him, and I'll die on that hill. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just to add on to that, like. Um, DJ, I think, had a good solid season. Um, yeah, his touchdown totals were low, um, even including the rushing touchdowns. But I think without the weapons and without a, with a bad offensive line, that was warranted. And he did what he could, and he won us games regardless. Now I'm hoping that the offensive line is going to be better with hopefully more you know, protection and better picks. And then with more weapons, with Darren Waller and Campbell, and hopefully another draft pick, mm-hmm. um, like you said, like the training goals should come off. I think Dable also he kind of like just did what he worked with, kind of thing. And now with more weapons, he should be able to drop more plays and more explosive plays, which is what he's mm-hmm. good at. So I think this season, um, I I know our schedule isn't the easiest, but I think Daniel Jones in year two with Kafka, with Dable coming back, everybody, um, pretty much the coaching staff in place with also Wink coming back as well. Um, they're going to be more refined in their playmaking and hopefully it shows up on the, you know, the finals, uh, like the win totals and stuff like that. I'm just hoping that uh, my ideal situation is that we're a 10 plus win mm-hmm. um, team we're a better division uh, rival. I don't want to be, you know, win- I think we won like one, two games in the division. So I'm hoping yeah. that we win more division games and, you know, actually be competitive in the playoffs. Yeah, it was one win and one tie, and both yeah. were against Washington. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I don't want to be blown out by year. the Eagles and the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, we saw – just a little bit of what Kafka can do. So I'm excited with all the playmakers they're bringing in. I think we are going to see a, a very creative offense and something that we haven't seen in the last couple of years. So I'm looking forward to that, but thank you guys all for joining me tonight. We will do it again soon and I will let you know when this is all posted. So if everyone, anyone wants to share, you're welcome to do so. So thank you guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Bye, everybody. Great talking. <laughs>